Oh, wow. Poppy grape soda, delicious. If you're out there watching and you work for Poppy, go ahead and send me a few. <laughs> Welcome to a life-giving local church where you'll find the friendship and support you've been looking Ooh. for. At Echo, we want to help you find your place, people, and your purpose. We believe that's what we're all seeking, and we can't wait to share it with you. That's right. Please join us for one of our services at Mayo High School on Sundays at 9.15 mm-hmm. or 10.45 a.m. Mm-hmm. We are eager to meet you and extend a warm welcome to the Echo Church family. Mm. Giving is a privilege, and we believe it is worship unto our Lord. For those who wish to partner with us financially to impact Rochester, you have two convenient giving options today. First, first, visit our website where you can set up an automatic reoccurring donation, allowing us to plan boldly and confidently for the future. Mm. Second, you can easily send us your contribution via Venmo to at We Are The Echo Church. That's right. We appreciate your kind and thoughtful investments. Enjoy Echo Online Service. Woo!
that over yourself this morning. Shalom, shalom. Jesus, you are my peace. Shalom, shalom, shalom over me. Father, I just pray that over your people this morning. A peace that surpasses all understanding. Unlike anything they've ever experienced, I pray that they would have it this morning. Lord, that you would be our fortress when we're weak, Father. That you would be our refuge and our covering, Jesus. That we would hide under your wings, Father. Father, we worship you. We acknowledge your presence. We love you, Jesus. We pray all this in the mighty name of King Jesus. And we all say, Amen. Good morning, everybody. Everybody glad to be here today? Hey, historically, there has been discoveries and inventions or tools that have changed the world as we know it. And I want to name just a few of those today. Uh, it arguably, or, um, I don't know how they figured this out, but around 35 BCE, the wheel was invented. Someone say amen for their Tesla. It keeps rolling down the road, even in negative 30 degree weather. Uh, that, that changed the world as they knew it, and it's obviously impacted ours today. In 1200 BCE, uh, we moved from the Bronze to the Iron Age, and, and that changed the world. It changed world powers, and I'm going to talk about that momentarily. Uh, how about this? In, in 200 BCE, paper was invented. Come on, someone. Someone say amen for toilet paper. Oh, man, I am so thankful, so thankful. I'm just a little worried that we might go digital there, so. Um. I don't get it. How about the printing press? In about 1400, uh, 9th century gunpowder, the compass was invented in the 11th century and in 1876, a little over 100 years ago, the open coil was invented, which ultimately led to power in our house. And in 1910, the first home appliance was invented. Does anybody know what it is? It's the iron. Yeah, it got to look good, everybody. You got to go look. I don't know what else they used it for. I don't know if it was like, I'm cold. Honey, will you just give me a back rub or whatever, but I don't that was invented, um, and that was about 100 years ago, and, and uh, I'm, I'm not that old yet, uh, but there was something that changed my life, and in order to evoke that within this community, I, would, I wanted to kind of just reveal it like this. This sound changed my life. Who doesn't know what that is? <laughs> That's dial-up internet. You know what's in your pocket? You know that black thing right there that you swipe up, left, right, whatever it might be. That, what, what led to that was dial-up internet. And I just have to be honest, it ruined so many of my Fridays socially because I would try to call my friends and I'd hear that noise on the other line. I'm angry about it. I probably need counseling. But you know, you know, come on, can we just evoke that memory within us? That changed our life as we, we know it for the good or the bad. Uh, and, and, you know, like I said, uniquely, most of us had one phone in the line, or one phone line in the house. And if the internet, if someone was doing a search, you know, for whatever reason at your house, you couldn't connect with your friends. It was very, very, very difficult. But like I said, it led us to what we are 
holding right now what we call our friends on, what we do all of our searches, how we stay connected in this world. And we are in a series right now called Home. And, and, and the first uh, iteration and message that I presented was the idea of getting your attitude in order. Attitude check, one, two. And then the second concept that I spoke about last week was getting your plan in order. And today, not that I really want to preach it, but I feel like we need to. Let's get our tech in order. Come on, somebody. Let's get the tools uh, the tools within our life in order, and, and technology is one of those. And in order for us to do so, let's open up scripture and see what God has to say about technology, which I just thought about the Napoleon uh, Dynamite song, Technology. I don't know the rest of it, but what was, the, what was his brother's name? Anybody? Uh, what is it? Kip. Got some Napoleon Dynamite fans out there. Uh, some of you are like, I'm not coming back to this church. He doesn't know what good movies are. No, you don't know what good movies are. The other good one, Nacho Libre. Come on, somebody. Nacho! I wear these stretchy pants in my room just for fun. I digress. I, di- I did have a little bit of shot of coffee before I came up here, so that was... Blame it on that. But First Samuel 13, and this is what's going on. The Philistines are on the edge of the Israelites' territory, and it's not looking good at all. There's 30,000 chariots on the edge of their tor- territory. There's 6,000 trained individuals to leverage that technology uh, and that tool and that weapon. And then there are as many soldiers as there are seas on the seashore. Which, by the way, if, if you're not really catching some of the, the nuances of what is being written here, there is a connection to the promise that God had for Abraham. And that promise was this, I will make you and your descendants as many as the sands of the seashore. This is what's happening at this moment, and this is what is being challenged. The people of Israel, God's plan in their life, yet they are now being pressed and oppressed and attacked by an enemy. And when we see territory, when we see the, the, the chariot concept, I want you to understand that this is at the cusp of the bronze to the iron age. And so the, Philipp- the, um, the Philippines, or the Philippians, uh, they are, 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 are quickly leveling up in, in their territory and in their leadership and their opportunity. Why? Because they're on the cutting edge of this technology, pun intended. And so their weapons are strong. They're stronger than all things that are made bronze. Their chariots are are prepared better and and can outlast other ones. And for the Israelites, what's happening is this, is their sky is falling. And it says this, when the Israelites saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, what did they do? They hid in caves and in thickets along the rocks and the pits and cisterns. And even some Hebrews crossed over the Jordan, which again evokes the idea that the people entered into the promised land with God's help. But now they're like, I don't see God. I'm out of here. They're reverting. They're running. They're hiding. And as Saul is the king, he ends up remaining in Gilgal and and, and all the troops that are with them, it's a pretty honest scenario. They're quaking in fear. For the ones that's, that stuck out with, with Saul, they're, 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 they're freaking out and they're, they're hard pressed. And, and Saul is looking for an answer and, and there seems to be no answer coming. And Saul's waiting and he's been waiting for seven days for Samuel. But Samuel doesn't show up on, in the right time or quick as he wants him to. And so what he ends up doing is what we read in verse nine. And this is the story. Saul offered up the burnt offering. Now let me just pause. You may not know this, but if you know anything about the Old Testament, the king was never meant to offer the burnt offering. 
There was a role and a responsibility for the king, and then there was a role and a responsibility of the priest. And Saul has now crossed bounds. As just, just as he finished making an offering, Samuel, the prophet, arrives, and Saul went to greet him. What have you done, asked Samuel. And Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought now the Philistines will come down against me and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. And Samuel said, you have done a foolish thing. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Now, in the onset or on, and, and, and just at base value or, or, or front page value or just at the cover value, what we don't understand is like, it's hard for me to even comprehend today. No, like Saul is trying to do something good, but he's motivated by the pressing. He's motivated by how everybody else is reacting. He is being driven by his fear and his distractions. And Saul, what he does is instead of sticking to God's commands, he makes his own way. And, and again, I believe it's because his, he's not really in his right mind because he is so pressed. There's so much pressure. There's so many distractions. And, and as I read this por, uh, portion of scripture, I, I thought there was a few things to make mention uh, because I think we could relate to it. And the first thing that, that we all should relate to is this, is just like Saul, we have issues. They're just, they just come in different forms. For them, it was 30,000 chariots and 6,000 trained men to, to drive and ride those. And then there was a number of soldiers. And all they had was a few swords and a few pitchforks and some tools they had laying, laying around. And so their issue was this, a war was raging. And I want to tell you this, is we have the same issue today. It just doesn't come in that form. It comes in different forms and, and different pressures. And, 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 and may, it may not be the same physical form, but we're coming against the unseen world just like he is. And, and, and although we don't see it, what's true is this, is there is a war raging for our souls. There's a war raging for your family. There is a war that's raging for your children. And, and in the midst of our life, we can get so distracted that instead of responding and trusting in God, we react in our own means and methods. So I have a question for you. What are your chariots? How are you pressed? How are you pressured? What's your distractions? And if we're pressed, if we're full of distractions, if we feel pressurized, then we need to ask this question, what are we doing about that pressure? What are we doing about those distractions? Well, Saul's men, what did they do? They, they hid, they, they ran, and they reverted. That was what Saul and his, his men did. You know what we do today in, 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 in modern day terms? We cope, we toke, and we choke. That's what we do. When we have pressures, when we have distractions, so often we lean into the familiar to help us through whatever that pressure or that distraction might be. And I, I just got to say, and trying to get our tech in order, uh, my observation is this. The most acceptable addiction in today's society is kept in our pocket and is at, at really about two feet far uh, from us at any given time. Did you hear that? The, the most acceptable addiction in today's society is kept in our pocket and at best is two feet from us at any given moment. And you wonder why you're so distracted. You, want, you wonder why you're having a problem with comparison. No wonder why you are unsatisfied. That is called pressure. 
That's what's called 30,000 chariots. We have everything pressing against us. And there is a war that is raging for your attention. You know why? Because God has a purpose for you. I love the phone. I love my computer. I love Netflix. As do you. But what I'm trying to tell you is this. Let me ask you a question instead. When's the last time you were intentional? When it comes to your phone and your technology. See, I believe from time to time we should press pause. And we should ask why. Why, when we have a phantom vibration, do we reach for our phone? Why, when we're bored and no one's talking to us, do we reach? Why, when we're full of amazing people, are we scrolling? I would suggest it's because we're coping, toking, or choking in the midst of pressure. Some of us, what we've done is we have made horrific rhythms and habits. And, and, and I just told someone in the lobby this last hour, I don't want to preach this. Because the first person that's got to deal with his issues is me. Like, let's just all admit that from time to time, we got to take a step back in order to take a step forward. And one of the issues in modern day, techno- or modern day culture is our technology. It truly is fighting against us as God is calling us to fight against the grain and to make a difference in this culture, in this city, in your home, at your work for the kingdom of God. So I dare you. I dare you, if, if you don't think that this is an addictive concept, then fast your phone. Fast, fast talk technology for a day, for a week, a month, and let me know how that goes for you. The last observation that I want to make on the first portion of scripture that we read is this, is Saul treated God is something to be put in his pocket. Let's take a step back and let's just pontificate a little bit on the story here. Saul, the king of Israel, the predecessor, the leader of Abraham who was promised, promised that, that, that God was never gonna leave him and never forsake him. And then all of a sudden, Saul is becoming pressurized. He's being pressed. His life is in danger. And what does he do? He, instead of being intimate within the relationship with God, he pulls God at his convenient time or inconvenient, inconvenient time and say, God, you know what? I need you to get out, me out of this situation instead of just trusting that God is faithful and staying near. See, I don't want to tell you, I want to say it like this. God is not a tool to be abused. And I think what Saul did is he crossed over his role. And I'd mentioned this already. He was meant to be king and not priest because the person who's supposed to be king and priest ordained by God's plan is Jesus and Jesus alone. Like Saul I think we need to consider how we're mistreating our access to God. When I say mistreating access to God, we completely neglect him throughout the day, but when we need him. And I joked about this, I think last week or the week before, praying for our parking spots. Praise God, he's faithful. But so often we we treat God as that cosmic vending machine instead of that intimate father that wants to whisper the simple promises of life and shalom and peace and hope in your life, no matter the distraction, no matter the pressing, and no matter the pressure. See, I think we need to stop looking at God and his relationship like a get-out-of-jail card free, or get-out-of-jail, get-out-of-free card get out of jail free card. 
I'll just cut that out on the online one. <laughs> it's power of editing. But as we're pressed, and as we're distracted, what we often do is this, is we don't do the wisest things that God has ordained for us. And Saul, even though it's hard to grasp this, he, he does the burnt offering. It's a good thing, but it's not the right thing. Sometimes, you guys know this, some of the best things in your life can also accomplish the worst things in your life. And that's my fear with technology. That is my fear with tech and the tools that, that are in our life. And, and, and this is where my big idea comes. Uh, don't neglect or take for granted the best tool that God has given us. A relationship with the living word, with his living word, and his written word. Don't neglect or take for granted the best tool that God has given us. A relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. The living word. The one who came and lived amongst us, experience what we got to, or we get to experience. Understand, he understood the pressure. He understood the pressing. He understood what it meant to be distracted, yet he prevailed. And that's who we get to have a relationship with. That's who gets to mentor and lead and guide us through life. And then he leaves his awesome and amazing written word to instruct and to command us. I, I'm just wondering if we're being tricked by our tech. I would say it like this, trick or tech. Trick or, tra- trick or tech. And, and I just wonder if this would be a season, maybe the next coming weeks, what if we would start feeling compelled to, to lay down what we're familiar with only pick it up again to leverage it better for the kingdom of God. Like I said already, even the best tools can become the worst things for our lives. And from time to time, I believe we got to press pause and say, God, but, but really like this is, could be a good thing, but has it become a bad thing? And if it's become a bad thing, would you begin to reframe what it's meant to be for me or how I am supposed to use it? The first technology that I felt um, that started to grab a hold of my life was just outside of middle school when I started snowboarding. And with starting snowboarding, it, it, it created an opportunity to, for me to be in connection with a whole different community of people. And, and, and when, when, when that happened, my whole life changed my perspectives start changing and, 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 and although snowboarding was at the center of it, so many other things began to form me. And one of those things uh, that I really got sucked into, and, 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 and again, I, and this is me looking in hindsight because in the very moment I had no idea, but I start getting really into snowboarding and the equipment and then every season a brand new line would come out and I got so pumped by everything coming out and, and then all the subtle nuances of how much better this next tech would be. And so every season, for the better part of three or four seasons, I was the first one at the snowboard shop to buy the brand new board, and buy buy the brand new bindings and the brand new outfit. Come on, you got to look good while you're shredding. But about four years in, I was like, what am I doing? The snowboards are about the same. The bindings weigh the same thing. They feel the same. The boots are, are okay. Like, like in my outfit, man, I'm, whatever. I'm going to look at myself 20 years and laugh at what I used to dress like. <laughs> but that's when I began to realize that our technology, and again, you know, some of you don't look at snowboarding as technology, although it is in some respect, like, like, like that began to shape and that began to form me. And until I became intentional, it had a hold on me. Now, this first portion of scripture I read because uh, I think it was necessary to get to this point, but one of the key verses that got me to 1 Samuel 13 that, that, that I had been aware of, uh, I just, and I felt 
would completely connect with the theme of today of getting your tech in order is in 1 Samuel 13, verse 19. And it's a simple statement that I think most of us just would read past and not think much about it, but I think it's very pertinent to this discussion. It says this, not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel. Not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel because the Philistines had said, otherwise the Hebrews will be able to make swords and spears. You know what Saul's issue is? It was a tech issue. It was a tech issue. The Philistines, you know what's crazy about them? And this is in kind of in, in, in mirroring to our, our culture. The Philistines, when they had tech, they did everything they could do to keep it away from their enemy or who they want to bring down. But in today's society, what is happening? We, everybody tries to give us tech and they keep feeding to us to keep us down. And, and I can illustrate it by this, by 2020 election cycle. You know, six, I think it was, what did I say? $14.4 billion was spent to get your vote. How many excited about this year's election cycle? (laughs) Yeah, no one is. But my point is this, is this is our modern day pressing. This is what is surrounding us. It's, it's a culture, it's a people, it's, it's marketing who understand our weakness. And they understand how to get our vote. They understand how to encourage our purchasing. They understand how to get our attention. We don't have 30,000 chariots, but we have $14.4 billion spent within a short period of time in hopes that we might vote somebody in. That's the pressing that we are up against. Recently, Christy and I and the family went to her side's uh, family gathering at a golf course south of Rochester, and we were in the clubhouse and just kind of in between conversations, I was walking and checking out the walls, and it was definitely a unique uh, display of some historical concepts of when it was built and articles that had been written about it and pictures of the founder and some other random trinkets. And, but on one wall, there was a shadow box. And within that shadow box was a, were a bunch of Indian, Native American Indian uh, tools and articles that were made by rock, which a lot of them were, were um, were, what are they called, arrows, arrow tips. But then there were some other tools that would have helped to shape it. And I wish I would have taken a picture, but I was absolutely fascinated. And what dawned on me when I saw that, and I was thinking about this message a couple weeks ago when I was there, uh, I was thinking, how funny is that? Because what used to happen from generation to generation was, was this, is it would take forever to make the tool so the generation would make sure to pass it on to the next generation. But in today's society, what do we do? We, we just buy a new technology and we throw it away and we unintentionally don't pass anything on beyond to the next generation. And I'm just kind of wondering if, if, if this would be a reminder, if this could be an illustration of the importance of living a life that understands that we need to get our tools in order, that we need to get our tech in order. We have to begin to understand the pressure and the distraction that it can be in our life. But at the same time, we should be able to see the opportunity that lies ahead. And and in the beginning of 2024, I'm just wondering if this should be a church that completely understands the power of what is in your pocket. At the same time, understanding the power of God's promise for your life, that in the midst of pressing, in the midst of pressure, in the midst of distraction, he is with you. Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. 
for this is your true and proper worship. This is the calling that you have on your life. And then it says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test, you'll, you'll be able to be tested and approved for what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If we are unintentional or we are unaware, we will continue to be formed and conformed to the world and its expectations. Recently, I was listening to a podcast and Jason Thacker, who is an, ex, he's an expert on ethics and, and technology, he, he, he made this pretty strong statement and he said, technology is not neutral. You are being informed or formed by your technology all the time. And he, he made mention of this. Technology has a way of tricking you. And it does so by reframing truth, reframing your responsibility, and reframing your identity. That's the power of the black box. That's the power of of. of, of of what is pressing against us. But as followers of Jesus, God is asking us to be reframed by his truth, that we, that we would understand our responsibility and we would understand our identity, not based on what culture says or what the pressing is and, and the feeling that we get from the world around us, but by the word of God. And I just felt compelled just to remind some parents in this room, and teenagers, you may not exactly like this, but let me remind you that, that your kids are in your home because you are meant to be their authority. I was a youth pastor for 15 years, and if you can believe it, there's cell phones then. Just slightly different. And I can just tell you that although the cell phone is amazing and your computers are amazing, they can also be absolutely debilitating when it comes to your faith. It can absolutely cripple your walk with God. And, and, and students, let me say it like this. Some of you might be struggling with some temptation on your phone or your computer. And I just want to remind you that your parents are in your life for a reason. And if you're struggling... It might be because you're not leveraging the accountability that's in your life. You ever heard the Bible verses that God will never give you something that you can't overcome? Some of you have been failing when it comes to your purity, lack of comparison, insecurities because of the phone. And I'll tell you what could change your life if you were honest with your parents and they could help you if you saw them as the tool that God has ordained to be in your life. In closing, the rest of the story goes something like this. Paul, or Saul, and Jonathan are the only people who have swords in hand. <laughs> and yet there is this pressing army coming upon them. And, and, and even though Saul had had made mistakes and didn't really know what to do and he, he just tried to do it on his own. God still shows up and in verse 23 it says, so on that day the Lord saved Israel and the battle moved on and beyond Beth-Avim. And I just want to remind you that there are some battles to be won because we put our hope and trust in Jesus. But there should be some battles won as well because we put our tech in order. That we do not fall prey, that we don't fall subject to the pressing and to the distraction, but we press forward to the promises and the calling that God has for every single one of us. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. God, you have been so faithful. God, I thank you for the reminder today in worship that you are the God of peace. That you are the God of shalom. 
You're the God that is with us. God, you're the, you're the God that is, will never leave us and never forsake us. Even in the midst of our pressing, even in the midst of our pressure, even in the midst of our distraction. And today, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, I ask that you would touch us today. That you would speak to us in our language. You would speak to us and where we're at today. For some of us, Lord, I feel it's just, some of us are distracted. And we gotta we get have a reality check, a come to Jesus moment, how to manage what is in our hands. But some of us, Lord, we're just feeling the pressures of life. Maybe it's because of sickness, because of mental health, what it might be, I don't know what it is, God, but I just ask that you would remind us those people that are dealing with that kind of circumstance that you are here and that you are not late. You are in their midst today and that you're always on time. Lord, would you speak to us? Would you lead us? Would you help us put our tech in order today? May you help us leverage the tools that you put in our hands. In Jesus' name. Stand up and seek the Lord.
super transparent, I don't really receive the word no real well in my life. I don't receive don't very well. We are very individualistic here in America, and we we don't receive things like that super well. And so last week, Pastor Andy mentioned maybe we should not eat food for maybe a meal or two. By the way, uh, with fasting, I just want to give you a little like practical idea. A lot of times in the Bible when they talk about fasting, they're talking about you eat dinner, and then you don't eat breakfast and lunch, and you eat dinner again. So you don't even have to really go a whole day. I just, I wanted to give you that like tip. Maybe that relieves some of the pressure of considering fasting for a day over the next two weeks. And now this week, he's, he's kind of challenging us on the tech side. And I, like my insides are like screaming. I don't know about you guys, but it's because I'm so attached to these things. I want to eat what I want when I want to. And I want to play on my phone way more than I should. Just, just is how it is. But I don't think that's how we're supposed to live. So my wife sent me this sermon this week about fasting. It's actually from one of Pastor Andy's favorite pastors out there. His name is John Mark Comer, super wise guy. Uh, he preaches for like 50 minutes and I still listen. So that says a lot about this. Like I'm a good, like 20 minutes is usually the best I got. But he's, he talks for 50 minutes. It's really good. And he said, I think, he basically extrapolated out the idea that if we fasted a little bit more, it would make it easier to let go of the addiction to things like our phones. It would be easier to let go of things like the pressure of the world around us. It'd be easier to let go of the stress of work if we kind of got this one spiritual discipline in place. I thought that was super cool. I loved it. I love the idea of it. And so uh, I, we're in this three weeks, this 21 days of prayer and fasting, started last Sunday, still going for another two weeks. If you haven't started yet, there's no pressure. Like, there's no judgment. Uh, virtually nobody fasts in the Christian world today. So like, I just want to let you off the hook. But also, I wonder if maybe we did take a day and we skipped breakfast and lunch and we focused on God and maybe it would let us be a little less attached to our phones. I got my percentage increase of my cell phone use last service. You guys know what I'm talking about, you iPhone users? It made my stomach hurt. I'm not going to lie. It was a lot. So... I just wonder as a challenge this week if maybe we could let go. Now what we're gonna do next is we're gonna say the prayer that we say every week. And this week when we talk about surrender, when we say, Jesus, I surrender, I want us to think also about, I surrender my will. I surrender my, I'm just gonna call it addiction to my cell phone. I surrender my life. It's not just, an idea, it's not abstract, it's a real surrender. So Kirk's gonna put that up on the screen and let's say this prayer together. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers and I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me, forgive me, and lead me. In Jesus' name and his authority, amen. Let's celebrate with somebody who said that prayer for the first time. Surrender is a lifestyle, so I'm just throwing that out there. It's not a one-time prayer. It is a lifestyle. Let's also celebrate those that came to church for the first time today. You're never going to forget your first sermon at Echo when they told you to put your phone away, are you? It's kind of a memorable one. All right, Echo Church, we love you. We are so glad you're here. We're glad to be on the journey with you. We hope you have an amazing week. We'll see you next week, everybody.